This is going to be our uh, last one of the classes until the first of the year. So um, I'm going to have to wrap up. And I'll tell you why. Next week, uh, we have a community Thanksgiving service on Tuesday night. And then, um, and then Thursday's Thanksgiving. So we just thought, well, that's a lot for people to do all in one week. And I know you guys would be here if I had it. But um, I think I can wrap everything up. We hit the... The climax of the book of Revelation last week and what we got into and of course this week we'll be talking about we got a lot of ground to cover so I just wanted you to know uh, that that's what we're doing so next Wednesday I will not be here there will be play practice next Wednesday um, and I'm going to help my wife bake so because we have all the kids coming in most all the kids are coming and grandkids so yeah yeah, thank you. Thank you. But uh, anyways, so uh, if you had time to read uh, the, you know, we're, I told everybody Sunday that you go ahead and read through the rest of it because of what we're going to get into. But we're going to be in chapter 15 and then we're going to go right through uh, all seven chapters up to 22 tonight. So, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Yeah, huh? Yes. So you, you're going to get... You're going to get in trouble. <laughs> so I'm just going to highlight a lot of this, and I'm going to deal with some that are real problem uh, passages. So if you read through this, you saw some problem passages. You're like, what does this mean, and why does it say this? And so we'll try our best to, to, to kind of uh, navigate through those. But the big thing from chapter 15 is the beginning of talking about the bowl of judgment. So prelude to that. And uh, verse 7 says, And one of the four living creatures, and we do not know which one, uh, gave to the, to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And remember, we've talked about this here at church quite a bit, that God reserves his wrath for his enemies. This is wrath that has been stored up through the years of man's rebellion against God and you know the, his attempts to help mankind, man turning against him. And uh, so God stored up that wrath to not destroy from the days of Noah, basically. And uh, so this would all be stored, uh, this would all be stored up. And it says, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. No one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels. So the first bowl that was poured out was sores. Um, and it was uh, notice at the end of it, it says, who had the mark on those who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. Second bowl, the sea turns to blood. Um, this is not just like a third. This is all the sea turns to blood. So this is going to really interrupt all of the shipping, all of the commerce that's happening through the shipping. Um, the, the sea turns to blood as of a dead man and everything in the sea dies. So all the fish die, the whales die, everything dies that's in the sea because the wrath of God is being poured out. And so uh, before we had read about it, it was a third that was hit. Now it's all of it is taken out, okay? Uh, the third bowl, the angel pours out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they become blood. And, uh, and uh, it says... Uh, uh, and I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So this last part of what we're going to be looking at here tonight is really talking about the judgments. Because now we're getting into the judgment that God is bringing 
through his wrath, through what mankind has done in rebelling against him. Uh, in ver- and the fourth bowl is men are scorched. And I wanted you to notice at the end of that in verse 9, they were scorched with great heat. They blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory. And we're going to see this over and over again now here towards the end, that they do not repent. Darkness and pain comes. They blaspheme, verse 11, the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Remember I told you that the last judgment that happened when right before all of this took place, that sickle went into the earth and it reaped out, right? It took all the, the right, this is it now. So death is now the only way out to be able to get into he- basically to, to get into heaven. There's no more raptures. There's no, those have all stopped now. We're past the tribula- in the tribulation. We've gone three and a half years in. Then we're at the three and a half great tribulation that's happening, okay? That where really things are escalating. And then we come towards the end where the wrath now is being poured out on mankind. Man is worshiping the beast. These guys are all idolaters. They're beast worshipers. And we're talking about... We're talking about lots of people. We're not just talking about a few people here. These are people that are, have taken the mark of the beast uh, to worship him, and they refuse to repent. The sixth bowl, the Euphrates dries up. The Euphrates, just so you kind of have a, an, an idea of how this, if this is the Mediterranean here, okay, Iraq is up here. The Euphrates crosses right through here, like up here in the northern region. And so um, the Euphrates... I mean, it talks about it drying up. The Euphrates has dried up before. And uh, the Euphrates, actually, they're predicting that, it, that it's dried up this last year, I think, or dried up significantly this last year. The thing that we want to remember is more than just the Euphrates dry, drying up is this, that when it dries up, it opens it up the way of the kings from the east might uh, be prepared. So they're to come in for Armageddon, right? So the kings of the east are going to be what's talked about in the scripture uh, we think one of those is china obviously from the east um and uh, but the other is gog and magog gog is russia and uh, magog is the leader of russia so there's the belief that that's who's coming in from the north they're going to cross the euphrates um he talks about in uh, verse 13 i saw three unclean spirits these are demons uh, coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophets. These are, for they are the spirit of demons performing signs which go to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gather them together in the place called in Hebrew Armageddon, or Megiddo is what the valley is called. And Armageddon is the gathering of all of these armies now that are coming against Israel and against God. And uh, Napoleon talked about the, the valley of Megiddo, or Armageddon, that he said that it was, it was one of the most vast valleys he had ever seen. Um, it was so large that these, these will all come to do battle there. The seventh angel will pour out his bowl into the air and a loud voice will come out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done, it is done. Remember, these are like the words of Christ on the cross, isn't it? It's finished, it's completed. 
and uh, and he says there's noises, thunderings, and earthquakes, and and uh, mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. And uh, the great city was divided into three parts. The cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remember uh, was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of wrath. And we'll talk more about Babylon in the next chapter. Notice at the end that it says in a great hail. From heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. And uh, they measure out the weight of a talent was near 130 pounds. So I've seen some big hailstones, golf ball size, but never 130 pound. I'm going to say that's pretty big. Plus it's coming out of the heavens. So at those speeds, you know, um, it's going to be just like wiping stuff out. If it hits you, you're dead, obviously, right there on the spot. But if you're in a house, it's going to go, bam, right through the house and destroy everything so um and that's what's going to so that's a pretty heavy uh, it could be a little bit less than 130 i think it was one i saw said like 129 so it, thereabouts but big and uh and it was a it was a great hail that came down all right chapter 17 so what we learned from the scarlet woman and the scarlet beast basically if you're keeping notes on this the the scarlet beast is politics is politi- is government okay the scarlet beast is is going to be politics and it talks about in chapter 3 so he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness i saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and 10 horns and it'll tell us what all that's all about in just a little bit the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her head a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Excuse me. So what you have here is the scarlet beast is the government of the time right now, which is ran by the beast basically at this point. And then you have the scar you have the scarlet woman or the harlot, and that's religion. All right? And the religion of the day is idolatry. Remember, we already talked a little bit about this. They've already come in into the temple, they've defiled the temple, the beast, the pro- false prophets given power to this image, the people that worship him. So they have an idol that they're worshiping, and all of this is happening. Just remember. We're all gone by now, okay? We're not here, but this is what this is all talking about. And he saw, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. This is that idolatrous evil system. And, uh, and, uh, and I saw her and I marveled with great uh, amazement. And the angel said, why did you marvel? I tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit to go to perdition and those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world so this is going to be key now remember this book of life is all going to be coming back up over and over again as we go towards the end here okay and it says um and uh when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is and here's the mind which has wisdom the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. These there there are also seven kings. So this is a reference. The seven mountains. We talked a little bit about that. That there was thought that it might be Rome because it sits. It's surrounded by seven hills. 
But the truth is, it's seven kings. The mountains are the seven kings of authority of that day. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. So this idolatry is empowered, this false religion is empowered by false government as well. And uh, it's empowered by it. And uh, it's interesting as you look at this, because uh, as, as we go through this, because the beast actually turns on, the, on Babylon, turns on the whore of Babylon. The, the idolatry and kills her basically and the and what that what happens is that means the false prophet now will just be the only religious figurehead that will exist in that day so you'll have the false you'll have the harlot is able to lead them into this a little bit better than the false prophet could but he actually uh, when the beast kills the 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 harlot wipes it out takes this idolatry the false prophet is now the only one that's now in that place of authority in the religious part of this so religion will still be a part of what's happening under all this it'll be all it'll be a a form of all the religions i'm sure embracing all of them um you know except christianity obviously will be just one of many be like hinduism if you know anything about hinduism i mean they have thousands of gods they if when i was in india you could talk to an hindu about jesus christ he goes yeah that's one of our gods um you know it's one of many uh, that they would worship. You know, the Muslims know about Jesus too, obviously. Um, Muhammad talked about Jesus, that he was a great prophet. Uh, so they're familiar with all of that. But it'll be this conglomeration of idolatry. And it's really all about worshiping the beast is what it's going to be about. It's all That's where the focus will be. So really, that's what I want you to gain out of this. Now, they're going to talk about... Um, they're going to talk about here in chapter 18, the fall of Babylon the Great. And uh, this is when it's talking about the commerce of Babylon. And I'll show you how you can pick this up out of this, all right? Um, it says, in, if you look at um, verse 2, chapter 18, And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her the merchants of the earth notice now it's talking about wealth merchants the riches have become rich through the abundance of her luxury so this is a contrast to the scarlet the woman on the scarlet beast this is actually talking about the commerce of the day government religion commerce okay government religion commerce and that's how they rule the people. That's how they keep all these people under control. Commerce becomes about you got to take the mark of the beast, right? But Babylon falls. All of this attack, you you know, realize when when the waters all turn to blood, and now that's done. Shipping is done. Exports are everything stops. All economy now. You know, all these plagues that hit. Commerce is going to. I mean, you think commerce could is bad now, or it was bad during the depression? We're talking about a total, absolute failure of commerce. But yet the deception is so strong by the beast with the people that the people refuse to repent from what they're, what they, what they're doing. They refuse to turn away from it. They still look to the beast for their guidance and help. And so and the beast is using that. So this all collapses. Um, the, 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 the whole thing falls apart. The scarlet... The, the woman is killed, the, the religion, 
the commerce is wiped out, and government basically becomes the rule. The beast then rules through uh, the government. Um, look at chapter uh, verse 21. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. Uh, there will be no craftsman or any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. And the light of a lamp shall not shine in you more anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. And then we, go, we see its commerce again. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all who were slain, um, who were slain on the earth. So Babylon is wiped out, basically, at this point. It's wiped out. Then he says, things begin to shift. I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great, here's the word judgment again, the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her, and again they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his, his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, These are the true saints. Of God, And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said, See that you do not do that. I'm your fellow ser servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which is a great message, but I don't have time to get into it tonight. All right, so who is the, who is the bride that's invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? It's all those who are believers. Okay, so is that martyrs? Yes. Is that people killed in the three and a half years of the tribulation? Yes. Is that the, the people that have come before that have come to Christ? Yes. Is that Jewish people that have been redeemed, who have heard Christ preach to them while he was in, went down into hell? Yes. It's all, all these things that the, the redemption that has happened, has, that's who all the marriage supper of the, that's who the bride is. Now, somebody had asked a couple of weeks ago or last week, how can the bride, how can the, how can the church be the body of Christ and be the bride of Christ? It's just, look, it's just imagery, okay? Let's not get, let's not get caught up in, okay? We're not all going to wear veils and white dresses in heaven, okay? But the imagery of the marriage supper, right, of the Lamb is important for us because we are, there's a place at the table for us if, if, Qualification, if our name is in the Lamb's book of life. And that's the only, and, and that's all those believers. And if your name is not in that book, you are not at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we'll talk about this in a minute. You'll be at the great white throne judgment. 
So you want to make sure your name's in that book. And there is a book, and it is in heaven. Amen. Now, <laughs> in verse 11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And this is talking about Jesus. He who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judged and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Uh, he talks about uh, his armies, verse 14, in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses, and out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword that he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron, and he'll tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And just like that, the enemy is defeated. Just like that. Everything that the beast has tried to do, everything the false prophet has set up, all these false religions, all of the, the things that have taken place are all undone instantaneously. If you look at verse 17, I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather for the supper of the great God, that you can eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and all who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured. It's over. The beast is captured just like that, all right? And remember, the beast is human. Okay, so just keep that in your, in your thinking here. The beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, just like that, who worked signs in his presence, which, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. They are not put into the bottomless pit like Satan is for a thousand years. They're cast immediately into the lake of fire and brimstone for all eternity. Why? Because they're human. And so they're receiving the punishment of a human that, is, that dies. They're basically cast into that lake of fire. They're destroyed. They're killed in this battle that happens on, on, at Armageddon, this, this battle against the beast. And um, the rest were killed with sword, proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on his horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. All right? Verse chapter 20. You all doing okay? I know I talk fast. But I'm recording this so that it will be online if you want to go back over it. Then I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now notice... It didn't say Jesus came and did this. This is an angel came down and has now bound the serpent, Satan, and has bound him for a thousand years. And I believe it's a literal thousand years. This is called the millennium, okay? So when we talk about the millennial reign of Christ, this is what we're entering into. And they cast him into the bottomless pit and they shut him up and set a seal on him so that no one should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he'll be released for just a little while. And I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now stay with me just for a minute here because this next verse, the next two verses can be very confusing. And uh, so I think I can help you get through it. 
But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Now, this is talking about the second resurrection. The first resurrection is three parts. The first resurrection is talked about in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, that Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. All right, so that was the first resurrection. The second resurrection is talked about 1 Corinthians 15, 23, where it talks about those who follow Christ are resurrected uh, in his coming back when he, when he gathers us together with him. That there is a resurrection of our bodies with our spirit, that that will all take place. And look, I realize how complicated that all is. Get this. Those who are in the second resurrection, who will experience the second death, which you will never experience. You only experience one death. Say, thank God. Those who experience the second resurrection that takes place after the millennium, they will stand in physical bodies before the great white throne judgment, and they will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity in their bodies to be tormented for the rest of their lives. Whereas you will spend an eternity in heaven in your new body for all eternity. Okay? You say, well, I don't understand how that can happen. Well, I don't know how it can happen either. But I'm just going to take it for what it says. So he says, listen, this is the first resurrection. So he, when he, and this is where this gets a little bit confusing for us because we look at it and go, okay, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So we're thinking, okay, is this the first resurrection for who? This is the first resurrection. This is the resurrection for the, those who have been held in hell. Hell is not the lake of fire, okay, that, that, will, man, that everything will be thrown into in the end. Hell is Hades. It's the reserve of the dead. It's the place where men are waiting until, that final, until the final judgment, and then they will all be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Those who, didn't those who did not receive Christ, yes. Those who refused, actually, to receive Christ. All right? Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. That's you. Over such the second death has no power, and they'll be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. So only those who have not received Christ experience the second death. But they only have, when they have their resurrection, it's only to die again, basically. Your resurrection is to life, their resurrection is to death. So, I mean, this is some serious stuff, I mean, that we're reading here. So, he said, when the thousand years have expired, Satan was, will be released from his prison, and he'll go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is the sand of the sea. So, this is the devil he's released. And, I, you know, look, I wonder about, I look at this and say, why would the Lord do this? But he has a plan. And this is what his way he's doing it. So he releases the serpent and he's actually goes out and still is able to. He's making declarations and trying to deceive people to follow him, even after a thousand after a millennium reign. And uh, and it says, uh, so they were gathered together whose numbers as the sand of the sea. And they went up 
on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. It was over. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are. And there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now this is not the people are cast in there. This is the serpent is now cast in there with the beast and the false prophet. Because we now stand at the great white throne judgment. Which at the great white throne judgment it says in verse 11... And, 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 and he who sat on whose face the earth and heaven fled away, there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. This is those who have been in the, second resurre- in the first resurrection for them, but is in the second, about to experience the second death. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their work, works by the things that were written in the book. The thing is... None of them have their name in the book, so there isn't anything to judge them by. If your name's not in the book, our works are in the book. Their works are not in the book because they're not in the book. Are you, do you understand what I'm saying? So when, you, when he stands there, he's looking through the book for their name. This is this power of God's redemptive ability. I mean, you and I, it's just so crazy. But he's looking in the book for their name. But it's not there. There's no works to go with it because there, there's, nothing, there's, there's nothing there. Their name is not in the, the Lamb in the book of life. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. This is, that second, this is that first resurrection. Death and Hades were delivered up and the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And there was nothing found in the book. So they're not, there's, nothing to, they're, there's no reprieve for them. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. This is the second death. And anybody who's not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Was cast into the lake of fire. It's, it, and, and this is really the end of that part of the... But you and I don't stand before the great white throne. We stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Um, Paul talks about it in Corinthians, if you just want to make a note about this. In 2 Corinthians, he talks about in chapter 5, he says, Therefore we make it, this verse 9, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Talking about we as believers, that each one may receive the things done he has done, whether good or bad. So the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, has record of your good works within it. What you've done with, you remember Pastor John preached a couple weeks ago about this, the mina, the, the, the talent, the gift that we've been given. What has God given us? What did we do with what he gave us? Did we bury it? Did we put it in a handkerchief and say, well, you're, I don't, I don't want to even, I'm afraid I'd lose it. Or did we do something with it and create increase with it? Did we bless other people with it? We'll be held accountable for that in heaven. All right. And there are rewards that go with the works. Now, you get in no matter what if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, okay? Because you're all starting to look a little scared to me. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Hey, I know this is heavy stuff, right? But how much more does this encourage us to make sure that we're getting the gospel into people? How serious what we're, you know, church isn't just something that we go to. 
it, it's something we are, and it is life-changing, and it's world-changing, and it's so vital that it, when we start seeing the end of how everything plays out in the end, that's scary stuff, man, when you look at it, and especially those folks that are standing at that judgment, they know there's nothing they can do. They can't say, well, you know, I was a good person. You know, I, I helped somebody that was poor. None of that's going to make any difference. Because if your name's not in the book, your works are not recorded. And there's nothing that God can do about it at that point. You had your chance. I noticed uh, yeah. in the verse 12, uh, there are plural books. And then there's a singular book. Yeah. The book of life. So what's the other books? Yeah, I have no idea. Probably your works. Probably your works that are attached to it, I would guess. That would be my guess. That I, that's what I've heard before. I don't know. And the books were open. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an appendix okay. book, probably that that has your works in it. So you know, I mean, you have to ask yourself tonight if that book was open tonight, right? If it was open tonight, what's in the what's in the works part of it for you? What do you, what are you doing with what God's given to you? And and look. In the end, when this is all happening, I mean, it isn't going to do any good for us, even as believers, to make excuses and say, well, you know, I was busy, I was, things happened, it was hunting season, it was, you know. I mean, I know, look, I'm all about having fun, too, and doing good, you know, God wants us to, to enjoy Him and, you know, and enjoy life. He definitely wants that, but this is not just about something about being in a church this is about being in a part of the lamb's family and being in his book for all eternity so how much more should we care about the people that are around us realizing that you know it's it's like the um the other the other day um the you know uh, the celebrity that died um from my uh, friends and, uh, you know, I told my wife, I said, I just pray he asked Christ into his life at some point. You know, because, look, once you're gone, that's it. Okay? The only thing that's ahead is the, the resurrection, which happens at, of your body, which happens after the millennium. We'll already be resurrected because we're in the first resurrection. For us, that's before the millennium, okay? The second, the other, the other happens after the millennium. And that's only for this death in the lake of fire. So all this finishes up with all, all of those being cast into the lake. And then it says in verse 21, chapter 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Seven new things you'll find in this in the next two chapters if you want to write these down. A new heaven. A new heaven, that's one. Two is a new earth. A new earth. Three is a new Jerusalem. A new Jerusalem. Four is new things, which talks about in verse, that's in verse five. He says that, um, I said to him who sat on the throne, behold, I make all things new. So things are all made new. We don't know what all those things are, but there's new things. A fifth thing is a new paradise. There's a new paradise. There's a new place, number six is a new place of God's throne, which is in chapter 22, verse 3. 
There will be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And then number seven is a new source of light, which is in verse five. And there will be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So everything changes. Now, it's not the sun and the moon, right? It's not the same heavens. Everything changes in the heavens now because of what has taken place, all of this that that happens. And so these seven new things that happen. And, you know, verse 8 can kind of throw you for a loop here if you look at it because you're like, why did he say this? But it's sort of like just sort of an epilogue to what we read in verse 15. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So it's sort of like a revisit to just remind us that if your name's not in the book, okay, then this is what will happen in the end. You'll experience the second death. And uh, I'm not going to take time to go through all of this, but uh, if you look at uh, the New Jerusalem, verse 9, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come and I'll show you the bride's lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, which we said there would be a new Jerusalem, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, um, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels and the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. But then it goes on and says three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So you see it. There's Israel. Those who have followed after Christ and in from Israel, the 144,000. And then here's all the believers that have come to Christ since Jesus was on the earth. All right. That's who the land, that's who the bride is here. That's what the reference is. So you have the, the 12 apostles you have mentioned, which all believers come from those 12 apostles. Those who have, they were the ones that seeded everything that you and I have today. And then you have also the 12 tribes of Israel, which were the beginning of Israel. Okay? And the city is laid out, and that's interesting, as a square. Um, somebody told me one time it's almost like a cube, the way it looks, the New Jerusalem. And uh, the, 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 this is talking about those who are in the New Jerusalem, which is you and I, which are the bride uh, of Christ. Verse 22, but in the New Jerusalem there is no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. The glory of God illuminate it, and the Lamb is the light. So the heavens have changed. The earth has changed. Everything that was plagued and destroyed, is all that's changed now. Um, during the millennium reign of Christ, obviously that would have all happened uh, with his people on earth. And now... This, 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 everything is, is different. Earth doesn't cease to exist. It's just a new earth and it's a new heaven. The heavens will be different because the prince of the power of the air has been cast out of the heavens, okay? So he's gone. All that's gone. All evil is gone. All wickedness is gone. Where's it ended up? 
in the lake, right? It's in the lake, which the lake, if, if, and I don't have time to go back over all this tonight, but in Matthew, Jesus talked about this. He said that, look, all of that was hell, this place of eternal punishment was not prepared for mankind. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. So this tormenting place was not made for mankind. But because mankind rebelled against God and refused to follow God and sold his allegiance out to the serpent, to Satan, man experiences the same punishment by ending up there as the serpent will have. Is that because they can't be allowed into heaven and there's nowhere else for them to go? There is nowhere else, exactly. There is no place else to put them, so that's where they're put. Until, obviously, till this waiting period at the end. So... Um, you know, it, it's a, uh, there's torment that's in hell, Hades, if you will, you know, let me use that word. Um, but that is not the eternal punishment of the fire of all eternity, the lake of fire. Jesus talked about Hades and talked about Abraham's bosom. Do you all remember this in scripture? He said that there was a rich man in Lazarus and the, the rich man supped daily and had good stuff in Lazarus. He was poor and broke and lived by the gate and begged and had sores and the dogs licked them and he just had a terrible life. And uh, but he believed in God. He believed in you know he believed in the principles of doing right. And they both died. The rich man ended up in the torment side of Hades or hell. The 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 rich man did. Lazarus ended up in what was called Abram's bosom, which are all those who followed after the covenant of Abraham. Okay. So that's Israel. That's going to be Israel inevitably because Israel was the son of Abraham. All right. Now, chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And I think it's interesting, uh, I mean, you could play with this a little bit. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, not for the healing of the people. So this this is the nations being healed by the leaves of that tree. Because there will be no sickness and disease at this point. That's all gone. Okay? Your flu days will be over. Amen? Right? No more COVID. Glory to deal with. No cancer. Hallelujah. So he says there's no more curse. That's, you know, that's right after talking about the trees for the healing of the nations. There'll be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they will see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and there'll be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. So I think part of what we, we want to gather out of this is, is that this is what God has in heaven already. All right. This isn't something that's this isn't something that just happens. He's showing you what's happening from the throne of God, the throne of God in heaven. This is all this all already exists in heaven. You know, when when the new heavens is talked about, it's not talking about God is going to restructure his domain. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with his domain. 
right? It's the heavens we're a part of that are screwed up, right? It's the earth we're a part of that's screwed up. So all of that is redone to reflect heaven again. So there, all of this will be, it will not only be on heaven, but it also will be on earth. God will have his throne in heaven. He'll have his throne on earth as well. Both of them will produce the, produce the same results. You say, well, how can God do that? Well, one, he's God, so he can do that. God is, God is infinite, not finite. He didn't have boundary. And now, with the serpent and evil and sin and all this taken out of the way, there is no boundary at all. It, this, now this is, this is Eden all over again for mankind, what God intended for mankind to have. And that is to be able to be with God, to walk with God. So then John, this just really hits it hard um, at the last part of 22 by just saying, look, you better take this serious. And I think that's what Revelation teaches us. He said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which will shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before his feet. And he said, don't do that. And uh, then verse 10, he said, and he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. It's at hand. He was unjust. Let him be unjust still. He was filthy. Let him be filthy still. He was righteous. Let him be righteous still. He was holy. Let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. But he says outside, and this is once again a reference to the lake of fire, those who are not permitted in are dog sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star, and the spirit and the bride say come. And let him who hears say come. And let him who thirsts come. And whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Then he gives a warning about altering any of the book, altering any of the scripture actually, and then finishes in verse 20. And he says, he who testifies to these things says, Surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.